welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number four. And if you're just joining with us, uh, we've been going through Philippians, line upon line, verse upon verse. And um, we took this part here about uh, Paul talking about uh, how he was able to find himself content in in every situation. And uh, as I had said, uh, contentment is a mark of spiritual maturity. Um, And Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I uh, have found myself in to be content. And I shared with you the secret of contentment, and that is found in verse 13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so it is Christ himself who allows us to be content in those hard and difficult situations that sometimes we find ourselves in. And if you remember, I talked to you about uh, what that word contentment means, and it means that you are not finding uh, uh, your help from outside sources. It's being self-sufficient. And because we know Jesus Christ, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Christ himself is the only thing that you need to be content in, in any situation that you might find yourself in. And so you're not looking for outside sources for contentment. And that's the problem with the world that we have, uh, that we live in today is we try to find contentment in outward, external things to help us through the situation that we are going through. And unfortunately, that does not bring true, lasting uh, contentment. And uh, real joy is what uh, Paul is talking about here, the main context there about rejoicing always in whatever state that we find ourselves to rejoice always. And uh, so we've been going through this thing about being content in any situation. I've given you several circumstances, true life, real uh, circumstances, uh, whether it be financial difficulties, um, that we can know how to be content uh, in those situations. And uh, so we need to understand that God's word has the answers for us. Uh, to learn how to be content in those situations. And we just have to apply those biblical principles to our life and obey them and walk in the truth that God has given us. So let's look here real quickly at our text here, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. And uh, we'll read about here again about Paul talking about his contentment and uh, his secret of contentment there in verse 13 as well. I rejoice the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, to abound in and any, every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me. In giving and receiving except you only, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so as we did last week, I want to apply these truths of God's word of how we can be content in any situation. And and last week I asked uh, several of you, you filled out uh, some slips of paper about uh, areas that you are um, struggling in, uh, maybe learning how to be content in those situations. These are real life situations. And we'll cover uh, many of those uh, here this morning. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. God's word gives me the answers to be content in any situation. God's word gives me the answers to be content in any situation. Now, if you remember, I gave you some principles for contentment. So if we're gonna learn how to be content is what Paul talks about here. I have learned the secret of being contentment. Um, If we're gonna learn this, there has to be some biblical principles that we have to apply in order for us to figure out how I can be content in this situation. And I gave you these, uh, so if we were talking, if we were having conversations, sitting down talking, and you'd say, Mike, I'm having a hard time in this situation, this is what I would give you how you can learn how to be content in whatever situation it may be. And these are really questions that you need to go through and ask yourself and find the answers out of God's word. And so here's the questions. Number one, by remembering who God is and what he has done, we remember uh, what God's word says about who he is and what he has done. And so we'll go to God's word, find the answers uh, for those things. Uh, Secondly, by doing what he commands, obeying God, what scriptural principles apply. Uh, Many times, often when there are times of suffering or difficulty in our Christian life, uh, just as even Paul, I mean, he talked about many of that stuff about being beaten three times with a rod, being shipwrecked, a night and a day, adrift at the sea, uh, oftentimes without food, um, being in dangers of, of robbers and his own countrymen, all those things. He found the secret of being content. And it was basically learning that God has principles already recorded for us in his word that we need to apply to our life and obey them. Uh, don't fall into the trap of, I don't feel this, okay? Uh, we can't, we should not live our Christian life based upon our feelings because our feelings change, they fluctuate. So we have to go based upon the truthfulness of God's word and stand on the truthfulness of God's word and be obedient to God's word. So by doing what he commands, obeying God, what scriptural principles apply? And then thirdly, recognize that God is sovereign and choose to rejoice regardless of your circumstances. Rejoicing is a choice. Even if you don't feel like it, you can choose to rejoice because that's a command from God's word about us to be rejoicing always. So let's look at these things here a little bit more closely, talk about some real life situations, see how these truths can be put into practice and that you can uh, learn how to be content in all situations. So here's uh, the third one that we're going to do here, contentment in personal situations. So being content in personal circumstances or situations. Uh, So here's a few of the things that uh, have come across here, people asked about. Uh, One of them, uh, you've had to become a caretaker or provider for your parents or a caretaker of someone else's children. How can I be content in that situation? 
I'm struggling with this, having a difficulty. Well, let's go through the principles here. Number one, who is God? He is the self-sufficient one in need of nothing outside of himself. That's Exodus 3.14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Who made you for your own purposes? That's Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art potter. And all of us are the work of thy hand. And so when we remember who God is in the situations, God, uh, he's the potter, we're the clay. And whatever situations God places us in, we need to remember that he is the potter. We're just the clay. Uh, What has he done for you? Well, Jesus Christ humbled himself to become a man and die on the cross for your place for your sins. That's uh, found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, where he talks about the humility of Christ, that Christ himself left the glory of heaven, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so if Jesus Christ himself humbled himself and served others, then we can too as well remember This is what Christ has done. This is what he has called me to do to serve others. And if it may be your parents, it might be uh, somebody else's children, uh, we've been called to do that as well. What biblical principles apply here? Well, the many commands to be humble, James 4.10, 1 Peter 5.6. They all have the attitude shown in Jesus in Philippians uh, 2, as we just looked at. Uh, Also, every command and principle in the Bible concerning specific roles that God has given us apply to this as well. So how can you obey him? Repent of your foolish selfishness, have the attitude of Jesus, be the best you can be in your various roles, whatever they may be. And, uh, you know, being in a, in, a, in a role like this, serving people, you see the side of, of situations where uh, people may have their uh, mother or their father, they're having to take care of them. And, you know, it's hard, it's difficult. I remember when my grandfather was getting older, um, he was, had lived in his own house there, but uh, when he started getting older and older and older, um, the care increased more and more and more. And so my parents were constantly over there at his house. Then my dad was finally living over there until uh, he passed away. So there was a lot of care. And I saw that, you know, it was grinding on my, on my dad, you know, the, the hardships and the difficulty. And that's hard. It really is. But we can be content because we got to remember that God has called us to that certain situation at that time. And we need to serve that individual, even though it may be hard and difficult, we got to remember that that's what God has called us to do. Here's the second thing. Uh, your kids rebel. Who is God? Well, he's the Lord. He's gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger, great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. That's Psalm 145 verses eight and nine. And so what has he done for you? He holds you accountable for your actions while extending to you a means of mercy and grace. That's Romans 14, 12. Uh, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God, Romans 8, 1. And uh, for us in here that uh, our parents, um, maybe you might have adult children that have uh, rebelled. Uh, maybe they're not living for the Lord. Um, you have to remember that God will hold you accountable and how 
you raised your children, but also those children themselves will also be held accountable for the decisions that they have made. Um, what biblical principles apply here? Ezekiel 18, 4, verse 20, and also verse 20. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins will die. Verse 20, the Son will not bear the punishment for the Father's iniquity, nor will the Father bear the punishment for the Son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. James 5.20 says, Let him who, who know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Ephesians 6.4, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So how can you obey him in uh, these situations? Well, recognize and repent of your failures in raising your child. Every parent fails to some degree. I do as well. Um, you know, we've got those giant parenting fails at times that uh, happen. But we have to remember that God does give us in a, 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 a measure of grace in our parenting. And even if our child does rebel, uh, we need to remember that am I doing my part in raising that child, instructing that child the way that they should uh, go? And also have to remember that uh, those children will be held accountable as well for uh, their actions. Um, so how can you obey them? Recognize, repent of failures in that. Hold your son and daughter accountable for their own actions. I think this is a, a tragedy that we see today in our culture. No child is held accountable for their actions anymore. It's always somebody else's fault, right? You've got to hold their feet to the fire. Uh, they need to be held accountable for their actions. Do not protect them from the consequences of their sin unless there is a genuine repentance on their part. Um, can't tell you how destructive that is to try to protect your child from the consequences of that sin that they might be doing. Um, they need to learn that there are consequences from that. Their soul is more valuable than your pride or rescuing them from the misery of their own sin. And so you've got to be very careful with that. Here's, here's an interesting one. Um, a child says, this is one that I got, a child says, I'm a kid and I'm not content eating vegetables. Okay. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about this, Okay. Who is God? Genesis 1. He's the creator of all things. James 1.17, the father of lights from whom every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from. So what has he done for you? Well, God has provided you food for you, Isaiah 55.10. He has furnished seed to the sower, watered the earth, causing it to sprout and bear and provide bread to the eater. What biblical principles apply here? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. And also I would uh, even say, consider even uh, Ephesians 6, 1, children, what? Obey your parents, Right? So if you're, a, if you're a child and you're not content with eating your vegetables, you need to remember that God has given you every good thing for you to eat, 
but also he is also giving you parents and authority for you to obey. And if they say, eat those vegetables, you better eat them, okay? Because that is God's will for your life. That is what God has called for you uh, to do. So how can you obey them? If you are a child, then you need to obey your parents without complaining or grumbling. I hate this, right? Nope. Okay, that's not being thankful for what, we, what God has given us. Um, your parents, they're not only trying to feed you what is healthy for you, but they also must develop good character for you as well. And eating some of those vegetables that probably aren't the, that you like, uh, is going to help uh, develop good character in you. So those are some principles that you need uh, to apply to your life there. Here's number four. Someone asked this. I am not content with my rate of spiritual growth and change. That's a good one. Now, this can actually have two sides to it. On one side, this is good to be dissatisfied with your spiritual growth where you may be. In other words, uh, you want to be growing more. You want to be growing uh, deeper in your spiritual faith. So that's, that's good to be dissatisfied or, or uh, you're uncontent uh, with your rate of spiritual growth. Um, but on the flip side, we need to be thankful for what God is doing us in us currently, okay? So who is God? Well, he is the sower who has sown the seed on the good ground and it has taken root and growth comes to those whose hearts hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. That's what Jesus told us in Luke 8, 15. What has he done? He has given you the Holy Spirit, John 15, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So you need to remember that God is the one that causes growth. He has given you the Holy Spirit in your, in your life. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that is going to teach you the things that uh, you need to be taught. And so what spiritual principles apply to this? Well, we are told to desire the sincere milk of the word, 1 Peter 2, 2, Colossians 1, 9 through 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. For this reason... Um, Whoops, sorry, the wrong one there. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16, Until we all reach the unity of the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up him in love as each part does its work. So how can you obey him with those scriptural principles about your spiritual growth? Well, remember it is God who is working in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Did you get that? It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. So everything that God is doing in your life, he is working it in you for his will and his work. It's for his good pleasure. And so it's not necessarily me that should be going, man, I really wish I could be like that, you know, whoever, right? We need to allow God to be at work in our life and be content with what God is doing in our life, whatever the situation may be. And God will work those things in us and through us. And uh, just because you don't see the spiritual growth, don't despair. I mean, uh, you know, this is, these are really uh, interesting lessons. You know, if you go and plant a, a little seed in the ground and you do everything that you're supposed to do, you put the soil around it, plant it in good soil and put some water on it. If you go out there the next day, are you going to find a crop? No. It's got to be patient, but there is things going on inside that soil. There's things going on inside that seed. And we just got to be patient of what God is doing. And so we need to be patient about that. And don't compare yourselves with other Christians as well, because God's word tells us that that's not wise. And so we should never be looking at another Christian and saying, oh boy, you know, I just wish I could be like them. Well, no, God wants you to be like Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and his word is working in you and he will make you what you need to be in his time. And so we just have to be patient and all that. Here's another uh, topic of uh, some things here. How about physical hindrances, okay? Here's one. Your body is not the way that you like it. It's too fat, too thin, too tall, too short, too hairy, not enough hair, etc. okay? How can we be content in these situations? Well, who is God? He's the all-wise creator, Romans 16, 27. He's the only wise God. Uh, John 1, 3, all things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. What has he done for you? Well, he made you for his glory, Genesis 1, 26, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. since he, man, is the image and the glory of God. So God is the one that has made us, and we need to be thankful for the way that he has made us. And this is the, this is the problem with the whole uh, transgender uh, situation thing that's going on. You have a rejection of the way that God has made them. Uh, they're not thankful in what God has made them. And so they reject God. They reject his image. They're rejecting what Jesus Christ uh, has wisely done. And so it's a rejection of that. 
And so we need to be thankful for the way that God has made us. Um, what biblical principles apply here? First Samuel uh, 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So how can you obey him? Well, be more concerned about what you are inwardly than how you look outwardly. It is God's grace and mercy upon your life that allows you to become wrinkled and gray. And so the alternative to that, however, is what? A short life, okay? So be thankful for what God has done in your life. Here's another one. I have a loved one or a loved one that has developed a severe physical disability. So who is God? The all-wise creator, Romans 16, 27, John 1 and 3. What has he done for you? He made you for his glory, Genesis 1, 26. He sustains us with his grace and perfects his power in our weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 9. So what biblical principles apply here? Well, Exodus 4, 11. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. Romans, uh, or 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all of these things remind us that God is the one that does things in our lives for his own glory and purposes. God enables each Christian to serve him as he desires. So how can you obey him? Well, glorify him with whatever abilities that you do have. Don't be jealous of others who can do what you cannot or no longer cannot do. Remember that we also glorify God when we are the ones being served if we receive it with thanksgiving. And sadly, I think that uh, people that you know, might develop certain disabilities or um, might be limited by certain things, uh, they might become very angry or upset that people have to do something for them now. Uh, how many of you ever uh, read the testimony of Johnny Erickson Tata? Right, okay, diving accident. Uh, she was very upset at what had happened. I mean, very young at this, at what had happened. Uh, but she has to have somebody care for her all the time. And her outlook now is totally different because she is receiving that with thanksgiving that God is doing it and allowing that uh, for her life. And so we got to have uh, those uh, same types of uh, mindset with that. So learn that his grace is sufficient. Receive those things with thanksgiving. Here's one. Having a mental health problem, multiple personality disorder, also known as uh, DID, disassociative identity disorder. Now, as a Christian, I'm, I'm going to be addressing this from a spiritual aspect um, because we need to determine the spiritual root of the mental health issue. Okay, um, and, I, and I say that because God's word has a lot to say about our minds 
and how they are affected. God's word does deal with the mind. It talks about the mind. So who is God? Well, he's the creator who loves you and he sent his son to die for you. What has he done? Well, he's given you his word to find help and rest in your distress and difficulties. Hebrews 4.12 is a good one for this. For the word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So what biblical principles apply? Well, I would say in this situation, uh, spiritual matters, especially in regard to mental health issues, uh, they're very difficult to discern, but... Many people who may struggle with uh, this uh, uh, multiple personality disorder or any type of other mental health type thing, okay, many times it's the result of a, of a situation that happened in their life, could be when they were younger, and those things had never been addressed in their life. And so the coping of that might have been just more of like a cover-up type thing, And so they've been living in this state of trying to deal with this, but never actually addressing the root problem of why all of that started. So working through the trauma, I believe working with a trained biblical counselor, uh, you can allow and you can have uh, the uh, ability um, to experience some freedom from that. But the possibility also exists that people um, with multiple personality disorder might also, this is not always the case, but we find it in scripture a lot of times that people that have been associated with multiple personality disorder are also people that might have been influenced by some form of demonic uh, oppression or also demonic possession, okay? And so it's very important that we need to deal with the root issue, the root cause of things like that. Um, So handling the trauma, um, I would say seek out a biblical counselor that can really direct you and help you uh, in those situations. Uh, Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that uh, the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, And so we need to remember that Satan is out there trying to destroy people's lives, and that also includes attacking them from inside their mind. And so we need to make sure that we're handling things in a biblical way, in a biblical matter. Now, there is certainly a spiritual battle that's going on all around us. Believers are instructed to put on the full armor of God, right? Uh, That's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. We're also instructed to discern and test the spirits, especially in the realm of false teaching uh, that they may propagate. And this is why it's so dangerous that you need to make sure that you're checking everything out from the word of God. Because if you are bringing in false teaching into your home, what comes along with that? Demons. So you got to be very, got to be checking it out with the Word of God. You got to be very, very careful there. That's all found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. So, how can you obey Him in these situations? 
I would work with a biblical counselor to help you find the root cause of what's causing you to have these mental health problems. Uh, God can help us through trauma, anxiety, depression, dealing with painful past experiences. God is our ultimate healer. He's the only one that can heal. That's it, right? So we have to turn to him uh, for healing. Uh, David wrote in Psalm uh, 4, he talked about this. He says, answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And by the end of David's prayer that he wrote there in Psalm 4, he says this. He says he had found his answer. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And so in faith, we stay in the word and cry out to God in prayer. Here's some other ones here. Some personal tragedies. Someone asked about an abusive relationship. Now, I don't know if this is an abusive relationship, meaning boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, or if this was a husband-wife abusive relationship, but let me give you some things about this. Who is God? He's holy, he's just, he's pure, he's righteous. He is still sovereign. An injustice happening to you does not change who God is or his character. Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock... His work is perfect for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So what has he done for you? Jesus himself suffered the greatest injustice by man of all time when Jesus was crucified on the cross. 1 Peter 2, 21, he is with us no matter what we go through. That's Matthew 28, verse number 20. So how can you obey him if you're in a situation where there might be some physical abuse that is going on in a relationship? If it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, I'm gonna give you uh, things for both of those. Pursue what legal recourse is available to you. I mean, if you are in danger, you need to get some help immediately, okay? Um, don't stay in that situation. If you're in danger, you need to get some help. Pursue uh, any type of legal recourse. Follow Christ's example in the midst of your suffering. Pray for those who are causing you the injustice. That's Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, if it's a situation uh, where there might be physical abuse that are going on, um, and both parties recognize that and they're seeking counsel, they're seeking help, I would say first step would be for both parties involved should seek godly counsel to seek the correct, uh, uh, to, to correct that abuse. But the specific godly response will vary depending upon many factors in all of that. But in brief, if they refuse counsel or continue in the abuse, then they are physically abusive, seek justice. And that's what you need to do. Uh, they are violating the law. They should be arrested. You may also need an order of protection issued. If it's emotional abuse, uh, then the relationship needs to end or change if that's a um, you know, type of boyfriend, girlfriend type thing. Um, what if it's marriage? Well, then 1 Corinthians 7.11 indicates that separation may be appropriate, but it says here, but if she does leave, let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. Now, please note that this is separation is not for the purpose of divorce, but for protection and making the issues serious enough to cause both parties to work towards reconciliation. And so if, you're, if you need to leave the marriage for protection, 
um, and you separate from your husband or whatever the situation may be there, um, that's not free game for you to be like, woo, all right, I get to get another husband. No, okay? God's word specifically says that you are to remain unmarried. That's very important because all you're doing is adding more and more problems into your life. Here's another one, and uh, we'll finish up here with this one. Someone asked about being content in an occupational or medical issue and God trying to tell you to do something different like change jobs, career, move, infertility, sickness, getting second opinions, et cetera, or trying medical interventions. So you find out that you cannot have children of your own. Uh, two things at work here. One, dealing with a medical issue uh, that you're unable to have children of your own. Secondly, determining God's will in current situations. So let's consider the issue of unable having children of your own. Who is God? He's the giver of life. Genesis chapter 20, verse 18. Genesis 25, verse 21. Genesis 30 and verse 22. What has he done for you? He has withheld children from you for his own purposes. That's Genesis 30, verse number two. Jacob says, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? What biblical principles apply here? The example of Hannah in 1 Samuel uh, 1, pray. Your hope is in the Lord, Psalm 113, verse number nine. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Galatians uh, 4, 5, we are adopted into God's family. And so we have brothers and sisters. We have the family, the body of Christ. So how can you obey him? Pray, serve, consider physical adoption or foster care. Have spiritual children by ministering to children. Nothing wrong in seeking a second opinion, a medical second opinion. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but if you're thinking about um, medical uh, things such as uh, the uh, in vitro fertilization, I would uh, hope that you would research that in light of biblical truth. And uh, I came across a really good article about this. I'll pull it up here. Um, if you want to look at the look at the article as as what it talks about with uh, in vitro uh, fertilization and what biblical uh, what the scriptures teach about that, I encourage you to look at that and uh, do your research about that. Um, second part to this is being content in an occupation, or perhaps God is telling me to change my job or career, or to move, determining God's will in my occupation. So who is God? He is your father that gives you every perfect gift from above. That's James 1.17. What has he done? He has saved you and given you a skill set for his glory. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that we are his workmanship created in good works in Christ Jesus. What biblical principles apply? Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, are you discontent because you're tired of the job or career that you have? Perhaps God is ready to make a move in your life, but seek his kingdom first, not your feelings, desires, or wants. So how can you obey him in this situation? Continue to do what you've already been doing. 
So if God has placed you in a situation right there, continue doing that, what you've already been doing, what you've been called to do. Um, and be thankful for what you have. And then I believe you should commit the matter to prayer, asking specifically for God's direction. Um, when I was at a uh, church there in Ohio, I was there for nine years and uh, you know, we bought a house, we were putting down roots there. We, we enjoyed doing what I was doing, um, even though there were some hard, difficult situations that uh, we were encountering. Um, it was basically up to God to move us. And that's basically what I told the Lord. And Lord, you know, if you want us out of here, you're gonna have to be the one that's gonna have to move us. And the way that God orchestrated all of that was my wife got pregnant. Now, she wasn't able to have a child, but she got pregnant. And so guess what? Her job ended because she had Evelyn. And when that happened, my job ended. And so God was the one that moved us on through that situation. It wasn't me necessarily trying to find something else. God was the one that orchestrated everything and worked through those situations that came into our lives. So all of this to say, and there's, there's so many other things that we could talk about here about being content in situations, but going through those principles, who is God, what has he done, what biblical principles apply here, and then choose to rejoice regardless of the circumstances. And you can learn the secret of contentment because it is Jesus Christ is the one who is at work in you, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.